hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Proof conclusive that you can talk for 10 episodes about, well, 11 now, about a single Doctor Who story and not get bored. I am here with, uh, I mean, I'm, you're basically co-host for this story, uh, Jason Tonson. Say hello, Jason. Hello, Jason. Uh, Jason, <laughs> we are back to moving pictures again. I'm very excited. We are indeed, yes, after several episodes of reconstructions using random photographs, because there are no telesnaps from this story, um, CGI animated Daleks, I mean, this occasional probably, bits from other episodes. This probably isn't the episode I would choose to have moving. No, but it does contain two very nice pieces of direction, which, uh, which we'll come to. You're talking about that transition, aren't you, from the Dalek, the light reflecting off the Dalek to the sun. That's the one, yes. That's one. So you can tell me the other one in episode. <laughs> okay, I will. All right, well then. I will indeed. Let's watch, what's this episode called? Escape Switch. Uh, why? Because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've had this conversation already. Because it is, and it does kind of make sense because it's the Doctor. This is why the Doctor switched the TARDIS, the Monk's TARDIS, to a police telephone box, and so on and so forth. So, all right, well, escape switch. Let's go. In three, two, one. My God! So now we're going to get to see these fabulous Egyptian sets, like indeed as they're supposed to be seen and also a pretty dodgy fight as well i seem to remember there is a bit of a well it's not really a fight it's more a massacre but uh, <laughs> but yes to be fair they really killed many people in this have they uh they did a whole bunch of egyptians in the last episode oh I, and they've shot trantis and zephon already so now there's one thing i have noticed with these episodes that exist on these loose canon reconstructions is that the quality of them in comparison to the dvds that came out later there is a gulf between them isn't there They've, they haven't been cleaned up yet they haven't been cleaned up yet no and um partly that's because when they first did these reconstructions <coughs> that was before the dvds existed so there were no cleaned up versions remember on the BBC VHSs that were out the um the production the VHSs were basically just grab the nearest copy that exists and whack it on a video let's not bother clearing it up so you get a whole variety of different qualities and that's assuming that the the um, episode had actually been released officially if it hadn't the quality was even worse because it was a bootleg copy of the episode in question but also when the DVD started to come out and Luke Cannon started and the other um, reconstruction people started putting their recons on DVD instead of VHS. Um, they put out a statement on their website which said, we are not issuing clean up versions of these episodes because you know we want you to support the BBC DVD releases. Oh. So you don't get the cleaned up episodes on the loose cannon recons at all. Um, 
And in fact, on some of the later ones that were issued after the episodes in question had been released, they didn't include the existing episodes at all. So the loose cannon episode reconstruction of the invasion, for example, only has episodes one and four, um, one and four in it. Well, I mean, I absolutely get that they can like release their reconstructions of episodes that are missing because it's essentially a completely original piece of work with the soundtrack slap on it. I'm surprised that they were allowed to put the existing episodes in there as well. Yeah, well, as I said at the, uh, I think we talked about it when with Missions to the Unknown. So effectively, the BBC turned a blind eye because they were not selling these things. Right. Yeah, that they makes were being made. Basically, you sent off a blank DVD or a blank VHS cassette or with a self-addressed envelope. Remember those? <laughs> send those into Blue Peter all the time. Um, but you sent them off with a with a stamped addressed envelope and they sent it back to you for no charge whatsoever. So they weren't making any profit out of this. And so the BBC just turned a blind eye to it because you know they weren't harming any sales. And so when when it came to DVD and and what have you, that's why they said specifically on their website, you know, we're not doing cleanup of the episodes, we're not doing DVD quality episodes on these because buy the BBC ones, they put them all out now on lost in time in 2004 so just buy that if you want the cleaned up episodes but ours are still going to be the dodgy vhs versions we just basically just copied the vhs version of the recon onto a dvd for you well, kudos to them not only is this a non-profit making enterprise so it's just a labor of love that they're not making a penny out of, <clears> but they're also you know still trying to send people the bbc's way i my respect for loose cannon after talking to you has gone through the roof they were, yeah, they, they've done a really good job on the reconstructions and the way they um, issued them and everything. So, Listen, you know what's funny is we're talking about loose cannon reconstructions on the one episode that is not a reconstruction. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very true. Yes, we actually have this episode. Why we have this episode in particular, who knows, but we do. You have, did you just see that a, minute, a bit a minute ago? The sheer fucking gall of Mavic Chen. He shoved that Dalek's eye stalker out of his face. That was the bit of the other bit I was going to say. I'm glad we have this on, on video because that is a fantastic piece. It's not in the script for him to do that. Or it's not in the camera script, certainly. I think that was a, agreed upon by the director in rehearsal and everything. But yeah, That's just great. swiping a Dalek's eye stalk. I'm very surprised he didn't swing around and blast him to death, you know yeah <clears throat> so here's an alternative um first doctor era featuring peter butterworth as the doctor and his companions Stephen and sarah <laughs> <laughs> would have been a very different show it would have been a very i don't think it would have survived quite as long no. peter butterworth is great but uh yeah, yeah. i tell you what peter perfect looks great in that shirt <laughs> good look for him Oh my god, look, the monk's scurrying about, and then he's just been found by a bunch of Daleks. Yeah. Oh, I love the Daleks in the 60s episodes, the way they move all the time. It, it, it's, um, it's always suggesting there's something in there, isn't it? It's all twitching, and you know. It's twitching, it's moving on the spot, it's moving its eye a bit, twitching an arm, etc. Later episodes, they tend to forget about that, and they just sit rather immobile. Well, do you uh, know those three, those three in Death of the Daleks that are all jiggling about very excitedly, and then they got that one that apparently was full of cement for fates. They couldn't <laughs> get about at all, so he's completely stationary. 
Yeah, I was just thinking about that precise moment. That was that was yeah. <laughs> Could have just stuck one of the old techniques in there for a, just for that one scene to make him with an eye stick or something a bit. But no, don't even. Si I think it's Cy Town on the on the commentary starts having a go at Michael Lee. Brian. Why are you poking with a stick or something? You know, like <laughs> this is a little weird scene here because um, the monk says that he's brought Stephen and Sarah as hostages to try and you know stop himself from stop them from being exterminated. Yeah. And Chen says, oh, yes, the doctor's loyalty to his friends is beyond question. And it's one of those moments which makes sense to us as the viewer, because we know the doctor will go after Stephen and Sarah. We know that. But if you think about what they've actually been through, the last time Chen and the Daleks saw the doctor and Stephen and Sarah, the doctor appeared to use Stephen as a sacrificial lamb, really, to hand over the core because... He just gave him the core and said, right, you go and talk to the Daleks and give him the core. And he did get shot. It's just he happened to have a force field around him. So I'm not quite sure why they think the Doctor would be so loyal to his friends after witnessing that. That's the only thing they've seen of him. They don't we've know had, him. So Two episodes of comedy hijinks and a change of writer since then. I think something's got lost in translation, you know. <laughs> I think so. We just had that bit of direction there from the sun to the sun reflecting off the dark. Now that it's it's moments like that that make me think that if these episodes uh, came back into the archive again, that there would be like terrific moments of direction like that throughout the entire story. Because that's what that is. There's thought being put into that. This ain't Peter Moffat pointing a director at five, yeah, a camera at five people and just letting them act. You know. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that the recovery of episode two really showed that. There's a lot of visual stuff in episode two in the direction of that episode, which yeah. we never would have got from the audio. Um, you know, just like the irony of Mavic Chen saying, perhaps I'm one of those who knows my plate, as he happens to be standing behind a bunch of bars like <laughs> he's in jail. That's, that's kind of... That's direction. That was put in there by the director who obviously saw the, the script, I think, and the... And the, and the set design went, ah, actually, let's do this. And that's the kind of thing that makes me think that getting some of these episodes back, as you say, would, would show up a lot of visual stuff that we just had no idea about before. Yeah, Jason, did you say you had the handbook to hand? The House Stammers and Walker Hand? I have. I have, have indeed, yeah. You haven't done the ratings for episodes 8, 9 or 10. Uh, I haven't done the ratings for any of them, have I? Let's have a quick look. I did okay. call them up earlier, so let me just have a look. I think they're pretty consistent. I think they hover around the 9 million, I think, throughout the story. But why don't you tell me? You are indeed correct. So I'll run through all 12, just okay. for fun, because I've got them in front of me. But uh, episode one had 9.1 million. That's a success. Episode two went up to 9.8, and episode three went up to 10.3. Oh. So that was the high point of the uh, of the serial. Episode 4, 9.5. Episode 5, 9.9. .9. Episode 6, 9.1. So, yeah, they're hovering very nicely between the 9 and 10 million mark. Episode 7 went down to 7.9, but it was Christmas Day, so... Fair enough. Yeah. And this isn't like in the series where the Christmas specials usually rack up more viewers than the regular series because it's a special episode. This was just... <clears throat> I, think, I think back then, you know, people spent time with their families. Possibly you could be right, yes. Then we're back up to 9.6 for Volcano on New Year's Day. That's a good one. Uh, 9.2 for episode 9. This episode had 9.5. 
episode 11 had 9.8 and episode 12 had the lowest of the whole series but apart from episode 7 8.6 so it dropped a million 1.2 million between episode 11 and episode 12 that's such a memorable episode as well although <clears throat> let's be honest 8.6 uh, the savages and the gunfighters and the war machines would look at that and weep, you know. Indeed, but equally, you get some people now saying what a disaster it was that it lost 1.2 million viewers after week on week because you know, <laughs> so one million, 1.2 million fewer viewers. That's that's terrible because that's what exactly what some people are saying about the new series ratings. Can I ask you a question about ratings? Right, it's something I've never quite understood. So maybe you'd be able to explain it to me. What are they called? Barb? Are they Barb ratings? B-A-R-B? B-A-R-B, yes. Um, so they don't actually monitor everybody, do they? They monitor mm. a sample of people, like enough and across all demographics. So they've so they've got a good sample of what people within those demographics would be watching. Is that right? And then they multiply it by the overall audience watching. Essentially, yes, as far as I know, that is how they do it, yes. So the whole thing could just be a load of bollocks. They could have it all wrong. It could be. It could be. It does rather depend on them being certain that they have a decent cross-section of the population to extrapolate this number from, but... Oh, when you talk like that, honestly. Um, but with the iPlayer, that's like accurate numbers, isn't it? Because it's how many people have actually physically watched that online. With things like iPlayer, yeah, you get the actual, you can get the actual numbers, how many people have, have watched this. And, and, you know, with the iPlayer, it's, it's good enough to show you that, you know, like up to 2 million people or 2 million watches uh, will occur, won't they, in, in seven days sometimes. So you know enough people yeah. to show. Yeah, I mean, that's my... The argument I always put on Twitter, because you know, every time Doctor Who ratings go down, people go, oh my God, it's the end of everything. And it's just kind of, well, people aren't, pe viewing habits have changed. The available material has changed. I mean, this is, you know, when there were like, there were three channels at the time this was shown. Yeah. That was it. You had BBC One. Not even sure you had BBC Two, actually. There might even only been two channels at this point um so yeah there wasn't a lot of choice and you could only watch when it was shown you didn't have video recorders or anything like that either you know when you get to the end of who in the 1980s you had video recorders which were never properly accounted for in the viewing figures at all so the viewing figures don't account for the fact that some people possibly recorded it and watched it later but there were only four channels then now there's god knows how many channels and not only have you got you know, even even since Doctor Who came back, you know, in 2005, you had cable TV and digital TV and things like that. But there wasn't much in the way of on demand and there were no streaming services. You know, it was kind of it's there. It's still showing a scheduled program run. You know, so if you want to watch something, you have to catch it at the time or the plus ones were, you know, the, the big thing then they this other channel you press your red button oh, you get BBC one plus one or something yeah yeah so yeah. you can watch it an hour later and that was fine but now you've got on-demand streaming services you can watch what the hell you like when the hell you like do you know what can i i sound like an old fart but i'm gonna anyway i don't really like it now don't get me wrong i think it's kind of it is kind of great for a new fan to be able to 
come in and have the entirety of classic from Britbox and the entirety of new from the BBC iPlayer. But there's no on like there's no on the night TV anymore, is there? Because you know you can watch it whenever. Before it used to be like, oh well, if you don't watch it, you're doomed. You know, if you don't watch that finale. Gone are the days when 25 million people were watching EastEnders on Christmas Day because if they didn't watch it, yeah. they see it. No, no, it's it's a whole different experience now watching any television series, and it is notable when you look at the viewing figures for the new series which are available. The, the viewing figures across the board are down. The only thing that's pulling in the really high viewing figures now these days tends to be live TV shows, especially the viewer voting like Strictly and Bake Off and things like that. Bake Off is a fun one because it's the only time Channel 4 has actually shot up in the ratings to match the BBC. It, and that's it, it really shows. Channel 4 usually hovers well below a couple of, you know, two to three million for its viewers. And then Bake Off happened and they get like nine, 10, 11 million viewers for, just for that one show. And everyone switches back over again. But doesn't that, it just show that Channel 4 can do it? That's the interesting thing about that is that they absolutely can hit those highs. So it's that people are choosing not to watch the usual fare on Channel 4. They can, but to be fair, they did import the Bake Off from the BBC. So it had a quite a loyal following already by the time they got it. So, so but, yeah. It's, um, but back, back here, this was by appointment TV, wasn't it? Like, you know, you watched it on It the was. If you, weren't, if you weren't sat in front of your telly at 5.25 or whatever on that Saturday, you missed it. End of. So, and I've, the amount of people I've spoken to on this now because you know I've, I've kind of got a demographic that come onto this now and it's kind of like the, the 30 to 50 kind of doctor who fan and the amount of people that have said well you know i never saw that my first experience of that was the target novel well, that's just unthinkable now isn't it that your first experience of an episode would be a book interpretation of the episode yeah it is. It's amazing. It's amazing now that even with the missing episodes, every episode of Doctor Who has been released on some kind of home media more than once. Yeah. Every single one. Because all the audios, all the missing story audios have been released at least twice. Not only that, but of course, there's all these fan-made reconstructions and now they're animating some of them. They've animated a few of them as well. Yes. Um, but every other episode has been on VHS and DVD, and now it's coming to Blu-ray. Quite a few of them were issued more than once on VHS. Several of them have been issued more than once on DVD. So every episode of, of times we have bought these stories. I mean, I, I don't know. Think about it. It's depressing the amount of money we've spent. You know, it, it is in some respects. Yes, because I'm now I'm now getting the Blu-rays, and for all the stories that I already have on DVD. <laughs> oh. I mean, but I'm not buying the Blu-rays for the episodes. I'm buying it for the extra content. So, how much do you think you spent on Doctor Who? Um, too much. <laughs> thousands, too. And thousands of pounds. I'm sure. We, I bet. Honestly, I bet we probably could have bought a house or put down a decent deposit. Yeah, yeah. No, thousands and thousands of pounds have gone on Doctor Who media over the years. I don't know. Oh my God! Look, we've talked all over that fight sequence. You know. We have, and now here's a Dalek being piled up with stones around, and I think they should have done more with that, but, uh, but there we go. Do you know what? I actually was taking note while we were talking then of that fight sequence. It was way better than I remembered. There's actually there was a sequence where the Daleks are advancing on the, on the Egyptians, and you can see both sides. It kind of swings around, 
Mm. So he's in a tiny corner of a BBC studio, but he's still trying to make it like even even his action. Obviously, what he wants, that, you know, the fight what, sequence was shot on film. It was pre-filmed, so that right. was in the evening. Oh, yeah. okay, maybe that's why it looks so good. I mean, obviously, what he wants is you know, um, <laughs> war and peace or some massive you know set piece. Even at Ealing, there's there are you know a lack of resources. Well, here's an early something that a later writer will run with quite a lot. The Doctor has nicked a TARDIS component from one TARDIS and used it, in, and he's going to use it in his own. This is years before Peter Grimwade made it his thing. Do you know what? I found that so hilarious when Rob Schumann said the reason why Time Flight Episode 4 is the worst episode of Doctor Who is that essentially the climax is the Doctor and the Master swapping bits of Lego. Yes. <laughs> It kind of is, you know. It is. I mean, st I still love Time Flight. It's got, you know, it always, it's a, it's a nice feel-good kind of story. It makes me feel, it's comfortable. But as far as Doctor Who and even really in some respects television drama goes, it is poor. Any story <laughs> that gave us Angela Clifford is worthy of praise, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it wants us to try out the new Indonesian restaurant. <laughs> she's great oh okay so this is a cliche now he's going to get in his TARDIS and what's the doctor done the doctor has changed the monk's TARDIS into a police telephone box oh is that it so he can't get away but wherever he goes it'll be a police box he's, well it will, it will change but he's nicked the, dimension, the directional unit oh that's right he ends up on a snow planet doesn't he yeah so and they build a little a little part of the set as the snow planet just for that one <laughs> scene. <don't they? laughs> yeah. I do admire their ambition in this story, do you know? They do have a lot of ambition in this story. I and Hartnell is on top form, although we have just missed his fa his fabulous fluff of having to hand over the real Turanian core to Magic Mavic Chen. <laughs> well, he is magic. It's a magic performance, so <laughs> that's what he's talking about. He's gotten so used to breaking down the fourth wall now, he's commenting on Kevin Stone. <laughs> Yeah, I see what you mean about these Daleks. Their eye sticks are all over the place. Yeah, constantly moving and twitching. Don't you love as well? There's a wonderful height discrepancy between Mavic Chen and the Daleks. He towers over them, doesn't he? Yes, I really like the I really like the short Daleks. I really like them. Do you know, I can't remember at all what the cliffhanger is to this episode. I think something there's an explosion um, in the TARDIS or something, isn't there? Yeah, you'll find out soon enough. Yeah, basically. Yeah, is that that That's clock it. behind him there that melted in Edge of Destruction? That's the one. Uh, Presumably he repaired it sometime shortly after, otherwise there's not a lot of point in keeping it around. But uh, yes, it's the same one. It's a rare And at least now. time it's on a pedestal, unlike in the chase where it was on the floor for some reason, because they forgot to put it on some kind of pedestal. Taking that to the Antiques Roadshow, well, this clock face was melted at the beginning of the solar system being formed. What's it worth? <laughs> <laughs> it's unique. <laughs> oh, dear. Do you know? Yeah, actually, I, do, I do wonder, you know, if the idea of this Terry Nation Daleks story uh, in America, the Dalek series, had legs, you know, because this don't really run out of steam. And this is the equivalent of like a season, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's three months worth of Doctor Who with Daleks. And I don't know if you've ever listened to like Dalek Empire, the Big Finish series. I listened to the first one, 
It's very good. It's really it was. Good. I don't often say that, but I've written by Nick Briggs, but it is very good. You don't rate him either. You're going to get him. On the <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think he's very. Ca- I think he's a superb director of audio, and I think he is a capable writer. I just don't think he's one of the strongest they have. But when he's like invested in what he's writing, he can really. Do oh it. yeah, and yeah. he's he's invested in the Daleks, obviously. Yes. Oh, Peter Butterworth, decrying that he's gonna. We'll have our reckoning, Doctor. One day, it will take decades and a whole new medium <laughs> and different actors, but we will have our reckoning. Just surprising, you know, given all of those callbacks in the 80s that we never got the monk. Yeah. Was it ever tooted? I don't Not know. that I'm aware of, but someone listening may know more than we do on that subject. So. Okay. So, uh, what's the issue now then? Are they on the run again? No, now they've got to go back. They've got to hope that the Daleks... Oh, they've got to hope that the Monk's directional unit will allow them to follow the Daleks back to Kemble and hope they can stop the Daleks from assembling the Time Destructor. Oh, so, hang on a second. So, is the inference then that the Doctor's directional unit is just always shot to hell? Like, it never works. That's why they always end up here, there and everywhere. Yeah. The TARDIS doesn't work, so he's switched it for the Monk's directional unit to try and control where the TARDIS goes for the first time in the whole history of the show. And that gives a genuine excuse to have the Monk in this story, beyond hijinks, doesn't it? Like a plot it does. Yep. Ah, put a little bit of plot into it to make it make sense. Well, look, okay, we've, we've had some comedy. We've been back into the past, where... Could this story possibly go for the final two episodes? It's got to go back to Kemble. It's got to go back to the Daleks and their plans for the Universal Conquest because the Daleks have the Terranium and they're not going to hang around. Then I've only got one thing to say to you, Jason. Which is? Take us back to Kemble. Take us back to Kemble. <laughs> Let the Daleks <laughs> <do> with him. <laughs> Indeed. Let's go. And that is where we are going next.